Good morning. Shall we pray? Father, I just pray that you'd help me today, this morning, Lord, with this word. Lord, the, Lord, you'd help me explain, Lord, clearly what it, it is that you want us to learn from this portion of scripture this morning. Father, that we would see the bigger picture, that we would know your heart, Lord, from these words, Lord, that we're about to read in 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. But most of all, Lord, that we'd hear, hear you for this time now, oh, more than 2,000 years later. Lord, that the context of the, the scripture that we read this morning, Lord, that we can translate that into our, day, our daily lives today and help us, Lord, to be more prepared for godly works, Lord, to administer in administering the things of the kingdom in our times, that we draw from the wisdom, Lord, of your word to, to be able to administer your kingdom in these days. Amen. Well, good morning to you. Um, I've got a pretext before we go into 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 to 15, which is the scripture that we'll be looking at today. Um, but my pretext is in Proverbs chapter 19, and it's verse 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. He who pays pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what has given what he has given. There's a saying somewhere, I don't know if it's a scripture or if it's a saying, but the Lord is no man's debtor. And what the scripture is saying here is, is that he who has pity on the poor, he who supplies the needs of the poor, is underwritten by God himself. He's the great underwriter. You will not be out of pocket if you show pity on those who have less or little or who are in need who are poor, destitute. Just want you to put that scripture in your heart this morning before we get into what we're about to get into. We're going to be talking in 1 Timothy chapter 5. But before we go into this scripture again, I just want to share, during these difficult times, I was watching um, program. Um, dispatches, I think it's a Channel 4 program, documentary, and it was going about unemployment during the times of COVID and how difficult. It was interviewing various people, young to middle-aged people, um, mostly, who someone was coming back from a cruise ship, a dancer, could no longer do their jobs. Uh, a hotel manager uh, in his 30s, only enough money to pay his rent till November, the middle of November. And how sad and destitute it was that people who had very little due to COVID uh, and what times that we face are, are very challenging and will be very challenging as we see a lot of people coming into a position of much need uh, due to the loss of uh, their jobs, the breakdown in particularly the entertainment um, and the catering sector. Um, there's many other sectors of, 
obviously travel. The airline's the same. There was another story of a, a captain of an airplane. This guy flies airplanes. And he's now, at, he lost his job and he now is an undertaker. He had to retrain to become an undertaker. That's quite amazing to be a captain of an airline. Uh, to fly airplanes, to go from doing that to becoming an undertaker. The adjustment that was had, had to be made. Um, I was also watching on the lighter side some of the uh, the football. Uh, I've started to watch the women's football. It was quite interesting. Just watching the FA Cup final of Everton v Manchester City. Um, and it just struck me how different the society that we live in today is to what it was in the 70s. Probably the mid-70s is when things really took on great bit of change. Um, and I thought women in football, they're not just playing the football, they're now hosting the men's football. They're now linesmen and soon we'll probably see referees in the men's game. Uh, that women today have come on so far um, beyond the society that we're going to look into in 1 Timothy in chapter 5. Um, just to give you uh, an heads up on that, the society that we that, that we're going to look at is the Jewish society, but it's patriarchic society back in one Timothy's times. Um, and if we look at what does that mean, the patriarchy is a society, a social system in which men hold primary power and predomination in roles of political leadership, moral authority, social privilege and control. That was the society that we find uh, Paul addressing to the, to the church in Ephesus uh, as he's instructing Timothy in 1 chapter 5. So it's a very difficult thing to just take this snapshot of scripture and apply it to today's society. Um, as directly and there's another scripture I want to point to you um, and it's in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work and I want you to know that this morning it's not just about one small passage of scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 1, we've got to look at the whole of God's word. And I want to take us through an, a number of scriptures this morning, not just this passage, um, to, to explain to you the heart of God. As we said at the opening there, um, that the man who shows pity on those in need um, lends to God. That's one character of this business of being charitable to those in need, that, that you, God is no man's debtor. He will pay back every penny that we supply to those who are in need. But let's look at the scripture, the passage that we're going to touch on, and then we'll go in and try and explain uh, and draw from that what God wants, us, wants to say this morning. So if you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5, and verse 1. And the, the title given to this um, 
passage for IQ that I thought was very good. Uh, it's Care in the Family, is that this is entitled Care in the Family, being the family of God. So 1 chapter 5, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers. Now remember, Paul is writing here to Timothy, a young pastor, a young leader in the church, explaining to him how to relate to the men and women of that church. Um, and that is to each of us who find ourselves in a position of responsibility on how we should behave and how you should act. To fathers, uh, to older men, to be treat them as fathers. Um, there's there's a scripture, just find that for you, um, in Exodus 20 and verse 12, honour your father and mother, that our days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. It's one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's the first commandment with a promise that you will live long upon the land that God has given us. Um, so here we, we can refer to that. Do not rebuke an old man, but exhort him as a father. Respect him as a father. It's a Ten Commandment. Younger men as brothers. Verse 2. Older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with all purity. So it's not just father, elder women. Older men as fathers, older women as mothers. So remember the commandment. Honour your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord God has given you. So it's in that, in that context, you know, that we were obeying the commands of God here. But just where he says here, young, younger men as brothers and women as sisters with all purity, it's important, and we were trained many years ago uh, in ministry in terms of counselling, and the importance that a man should never find himself in a position where he can be compromised, or accusation, accusation could be brought of impropriety, uh, particularly with younger women. And how, as a male in ministry, that we must guard against impurity, or even the very, the very thought that something might go on. So therefore, you know, you were taught not to counsel a woman as a man with a woman, even a man praying with a woman is a dangerous thing and that you would always look to bring in your partner or you'd bring in a woman to pray with a woman and so on. Not to say that a man can't pray over a woman, but that it, within a personal sense, particularly in a counselling sense, uh, that you have to be careful. You have to be seen to act with all purity regarding younger women. There should not be one hint of impropriety going on. Um, or it will bring a ministry down, and that has been the case over the years. And there's a number of cases I know of uh, where that has been the case. So we must be careful, you know, as, as leaders, as people in authority, that we behave to others as we ought. But the crux of this scripture that we're going to read is in the next verses. This is what I want to pull out. In verses 3 to 15, we're going to be looking at widows. And how should we handle uh, the widows in the church? This is Paul's instruction. Honour widows, in verse 3, who are rarely widows. 
as, if, as though he'd say, well, a widow is a widow. How do you mean are those who are really widows? A widow is somebody who's no longer got a partner. Who had a partner and they've died, they're a widow. That can be a man as well, by the way, as you would know. Um, but honor widows who are really widows already is questioning the fact that a widow in this context at least is one who is really a widow. And what he's saying here really is one who is really in need. Not so much that they qualify um, for support because they're a widow, but because they're really in need. So verse 4, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. Verse 5, now she who is really a widow, there he goes again, and left alone, trusts in God, continues in supplications and prayers, night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. So now he's saying, now she who is really a widow, and left alone, trusts in God, and continues in supplications and prayers, night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. Verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially of those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do not let a widow under 60 years of old, old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man. Verse 10, well reported for good works, if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work, but refuse the younger widows, for when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they decide to marry. Verse 12, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. And not only idle, but also gossips and biddies, busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Therefore I desire that the younger wid widows marry. Bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside to Satan. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who are really widows. Now there's some quite contentious words in there, and the two areas which I find that we're going to look at today is those who are really widows, um, let me just check. Verse 3, honour widows who are really widows. Verse 5, she who is really a widow. And then in that last verse, 15, that you, that you may relieve those who are really widows. Paul's heart is saying those who are really in need, yes, you know, the church um, ought to 
to look to provide for. In the days of, of the, the culture that this was set in, um, the early church, a patriarchal society, where the men were the heads of the household, and the extended families of believers came together, um, and there was instruction, clear instruction. They used to have a list of the widows, who were really widows. Um, and he actually says here, Paul, uh, about if a woman's not reached 60 yet, she doesn't qualify for that list. In fact, he mentions three, three qualifications for being really a widow. Um, and it's kind of a means testing going on that you would, how do we, how do we support people who are in need? How does the government do it? You have, you have to go through a means test. You know, you can't get social security, as we call it today, I think, still, um, unless you meet, uh, you go through a means test to say that you are entitled to that. You know, that you're of a certain age, whether you've got kids or not kids will all weigh on how much support you might get. Um, whether you have savings, if you have savings over a certain amount, you don't, you're not entitled. Um, it's the same with this COVID. There's a lot of support available. Trillions of pounds have been spent in supporting businesses and individuals. Um, but there is a means test. And a lot of us fall through that, fall through the gaps of that means test. But the means test in here is she doesn't have family members, first of all, that can look after her. Um, honor those who but, uh, first four, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. Let them repay their debt, he says. So he's saying here that the widow within the church community should look to her own family, her own household. Uh, that's one means test. Her own household should look after her. Um, there's two that don't look after a woman that's having a time of Larry, you know, and uh, enjoying herself, but look rather to the widows who, who qualify, who truly serve the church through prayers, supplication. Um, not pleasure seeking. That's another qualification. That's another means test. So here we see there's a family test. Does she have family? There's a service test. Is she serving the church? Is her half of the church? You know, my, uh, I remember the times when we were, we were quite young and a young family, three young children. We didn't have much money and I was on very poor pay. Um, and we used to struggle to buy. Now I know this was nineteen, probably nineteen eighty-two, and you, I would have fifty p for my dinner, which is probably equivalent to about three pounds today. Uh, but Kath had to go round the supermarket with a calculator and make sure that she stayed within the budget that she had. And instead of coming to the church and saying, "No, well, we're, we're in destitute need here," you know, we're just about getting by. We couldn't budget because we lived from hand to mouth, really. Um, and I remember the pastor, Owen, um, we, we served under for seven years back in Liverpool. Um, he must have saw or seen our need. He didn't give us money as such, but he, he, he said to Kath, if you wish, there's a role to play. I need someone to come and clean 
in the church, and Kath was the cleaner. And she was paid £10 a week, which seems small, but that really helped, helped us. It helped us buy some extras for the kids. Times when it came to shoes and stuff like that, you couldn't afford that. You just could have just afforded to get by. We could just afford the mortgage, um, and, you know, and to pay for a small food budget. Any extras, you didn't have a chance. So that really helped us, and it was God's provision to us. Uh, and I know Kath wasn't a widow, but what we're saying from the very beginning here, God's heart, you know, is that... He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what God has given. And I don't, I do think Owen was very kind then that he saw that we were in, in need. We weren't wealthy, uh, you know, and, and, and Kath served the church. And that's what Paul's saying here, that there must be service. It's not just a free handout. Um, it has to, that there's a means test going on. Uh, before we support those who are in real need. Um, not people who are pleasure-seeking, um, but those who are, who are before God. So if, if a family test, can't the family support them? A service test, are they serving the church? And then a moral test, they're not pleasure-seekers. You know, they're not just looking for a free handout. It's a real difficulty, you know, we've said it with uh, Take the Homeless, for instance, um, I was watching another program, a very, very sad program, Anthony Walker, I think it was, on BBC Catch-Up, a uh, very sad true story of a black guy that was murdered with an axe through his head, really dreadful. And they played his life what would have been uh, if he wasn't killed. And he's seen in the part of the scene helping an old friend that was his best man, or would have been his best man, and uh, he... Um, it opens up really with him finding his old friend on the street, um, begging, um, you know, and in a destitute way. And one of the scenes was that he goes to look for him to help him. And people were giving him, want to give him money. He said, don't give him money. He's feeding his alcohol habit with that money. And he dragged him off the street and he gave him a shower, uh, and food. And supported him, and so it's important that you know that we've got to be careful that we don't have misplaced giving. And many people, as City Mission would tell you, and I know there's work that we do, particularly Rachel and the team, uh, on careful how we provide, how we show pity to the poor. You know that, that it's not something that we just set up a fund and we we give out money. Uh, willy-nilly. Paul's very care clear here. There are clear guidelines, um, means testing going on. Uh, you know, one being the family. Is there no family members that can be contacted? Um, but there's another point of this scripture that I feel is very pertinent. Um, and that's in relation to the family. And Paul brings it out here, and it's pretty, I think it's pretty powerful. Um, in verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his household, he is denied the faith, and is worse than any unbeliever. And I say that's powerful in the fact that that's pretty pertinent, isn't it? Anyone who does not provide for his own, 
and especially his household. He's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You know, we have a need to provide for our own. God calls us to work hard and to look after our families, not place ourselves, you know, easily at least upon uh, the church for support. And Paul clearly says here, it's not for the church um, to be seen as just giving handouts. Now, I've been a treasurer for over 12 years, not just in this church, but in other churches. And I'll tell you, in our society, uh, we don't have the funds as a church. And I was part of a church that was 200 plus, you know, that had funds to, to pay for, you know, two pastors full time, myself part time as an administrator. But the cost of running the building and supporting the work of God, we didn't have money, endless money, pockets of money to pay for uh, handouts, as it were. Um, but I always felt a good indication was that, because the Bible does teach us to look after the widow, the orphan, the stranger. Um, that we used to say, you know, 10% of our 10% of the, the money coming into the church would be put aside for this kind of work. So 10% of our tithes received would go to um, mission work, basically, looking after the needy uh, in whatever forms that might take. Might be the children's work, the mother's work, uh, or looking after the needy where there desperately is need. Those that should be on the list, those that don't have family to support them, um, you know, those who can't go out and work or can't find jobs or who find themselves in temporary destitution. Yes, there are times when the church can reach out. But I believe God's heart is for us as individual Christians to be on the lookout for those who are in need. That scripture in Proverbs, you know, he who has pity on the needy won't be out of pocket. God underwrites our giving, particularly to those in need. And there's hundreds of testimonies of where people have helped us, or individuals, other individuals in the household of God, through hearing God, through observing and find, uh, hearing that voice, and inner voice saying, I want you to give to that person. I'll give you another example of that. We were at Bible college, and we had very little. We were living on faith. And, and people gave to us very generously to get through Bible college. Um, and as I said, we we were we were pretty poor, I guess. Um, and one of the ladies, their sisters in the co in the college, um, they were quite a well-to-do couple. Their husband was a banker or an ex-banker. In fact, he went off to Hong Kong and is, is quite high up in the bank at the minute. And his wife, she's a beautiful woman. I can't remember her name. Um, Kath would tell you this story better. Um, one day she, she woke up, I forget the full details of it, but basically Kath probably only had one pair of decent shoes. And this woman, we, no one just said to her, nobody told her about our situation. We, we were all in that sense living a year of, you know, full time study uh, by faith. And this woman basically, I'll give you the gist of so this woman provided Kath, um, seven pairs of new shoes God had said to her she was buying some new shoes and God said I want you to 
paid by Kappa a pair of shoes. And she thought, well, don't I just buy one? I'm going to buy seven pairs. Seven pairs of brand new shoes, which was just beautiful. It was God's provision. But it came from one individual seeing the need of another. And I want to get to you this morning and say this. Watch out for your brothers and your sisters in these difficult times. And wherever it might be, it can just be a fiver, a tenner, a bag of shopping. I want you to hear God, be alert, be ready. Remember what we said in there, that scripture. It lays in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. All scriptures given to the intuition of God is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. For instruction in righteousness, why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So from all of scripture, it prepares us for good work. So this morning in this scripture, I want to prepare your heart to say, be ready, be prepared, hear the word of God, that you'll not be, God will not be your debtor. He will repair you in full as you show pity to those in need. But let me get back to the point I wanted to say, which I thought was fairly pertinent, and that is um, in verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially to those of his household, he's denied the faith, and is worse than any unbeliever. Now to do this, I want to take us to Scripture, uh, which is in... 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 9. For you remember, brethren, our labour and toil for labouring day and night, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. And then if you go to 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 6. And this is Paul's warnings against idleness. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every believer who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but work with labour, night and day. Right, for two things I want to point out. Verse uh, in 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 6. Firstly, but we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walked disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. This first brother is one, in the Thessalonian church, they, they believed that the, the return of Christ was imminent. Uh, and some had left their jobs and just just thought, you know, they put they put God first, so to speak, very spiritual way of life, isn't it? You can think, you know, where, you know, it goes into insignificance when it comes to, you know, the kingdom of God. And it's easy to do that and to be idle, um, which some had done and they, they were, they weren't providing for the family. Remember in 1 Timothy 5 and 1 and verse, uh, in verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially those who he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever, Paul's saying here in verse 6, um, 
There are those brothers who walk disorderly and not in according to the tradition which was received from us. They packed the jobs in. They were lying around waiting for Christ to return. <laughs> My goodness, that was so bad. And really, it's an island, it's a form of busyness. They become busybodies, he says again in, in uh, Thessalonians. But the background to it, as I say, the backdrop was as they believed that Christ's return was imminent. Um, but I feel he made it as an excuse to become idle. And God exhorts us to be industrious in life, to look after our own, to take care of our families. In verse 8 in 1 Timothy 5 again, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than any unbeliever. And then if you look at verse 4, if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. Piety is the, the, the demonstration of our faith. It's, our, it's religion demonstrated on how we live, that we don't become idle, busybodies, but that we have a responsibility to care in the home, in our own families. Now, we're not in a patriarchy society as much, as strong at least, uh, as was back then. And today, you know, for many households, you know, I know from my past, um, so, some of the breadwinner, he was traditionally in the 70s, the man. But during the 80s, 90s and so on, that's changed. Nowadays, with both parties working, it can sometimes be the, the woman has been the breadwinner, winner. But the scripture is clear. We have a responsibility to our families to care for them. Um, we don't have to be, um, we don't, we, we, have, we have a duty to, to, to show pity on the person in need today. But God is not, will not be our debtor. You know, we won't be a penny out as we give to those who are in need. Um, what I want to say to you is, is that the first thing I'm saying is this this person's worse than an unbeliever, it says. And he says here that he's walking disorderly. I know there's a good little uh, explanation of what that means. It's like it's like the army of the Lord. And this guy's disorderly. He's not walking in step with how he should be walking. If you think of a military column and they walk and there's a particular pattern left, right, left. Right, this guy's he's not in step. He's still my brother. He's still part of the 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 army of the Lord. But you're not in step. You're out of sync with scripture. That's what I'd say. You know, and it says at the end, uh in, in two Thessalonians uh three and fifteen, yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now, admonish you if you're in that position where you're so spiritual that you know work's put on the back foot uh because you want to be out for God and you know you want to get to every meeting and you know sure get to every meeting but don't put don't put your spirituality before um before your responsibility uh, in God that responsibility to care for your family. Look to be one that, you know, um, is industrious. And to show you why this is scriptural, I think it's in 25, um, let me get Matthew, yeah, Matthew 25. I'm not going to apologise 
about jumping around the scriptures like this because as we said all scripture is important to us that we don't just get hoodwinked by a small section of scripture that we've read this morning but in Matthew 25 and verse 14 it talks of the parable of the, of the talents you know the parable well. He gives, you know, it's about the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, calls his servants together, delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another he gives ten, and to another he gives one. And the person he gives one talent to, uh, ten talents to, goes away and he makes another ten. And the guy that has five talents, he goes off and he's industrious and he makes more. And the guy with one talent, he buries it in the ground. And he blames the Lord, the master, on his return. Um, that, oh, you know, I knew my fault. In fact, let me just get to it. Uh, in verse 20, So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me to five talents. Look, I've gained five more. And his Lord said, Well done, faithful servant. You were faithful over all things. I'll make you over, over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he also had received two talents came, so it was two, um, and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained two more. Besides, his Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many. Then, in verse 24, he had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. A load of rubbish. He's accusing his master of not being a generous, kind master, but a mean master. And that is not true, our Lord. It's an excuse for idleness. But his Lord said to him in verse 26, You wicked and lazy servant. There you go. Wicked, lazy, idle. You knew that I reap where I have not sown. And gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at least. And at my coming I would have received back my own inheritance, my own with interest. For te therefore take the talent from him and give it to those who has ten. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he who has will sorry, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Nasty end. So if we look back to verse 8 again in 1 Timothy 5 but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially of his own household he's denied the faith you're denying the word of God that our God is a generous God that he gives to us that we're to be industrious we're to work hard Paul said we toiled night and day not to put ourselves upon you in Thessalonians back there he said you know and those that don't work don't eat he says also so don't be so spiritual and think or think that you're being spiritual. You know, by going around saying I'm seeking the Lord, you know, and I'm going to all the meetings and I pray a lot. God commands us that we are careful, that there is care in the family, that we look after our families. You know, that we are industrious as this 
parable of the talents says. And interestingly, I won't go into it, but it also goes on the parable after that is the judge of the nations um, and how Jesus said, you know, um, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And it's speaking of God's heart again, you know, that we also show charity to others. Um, you know, that it's not just our own family. Um, and in doing so, following Christ's words, um, you know, that we're following his commandments, you know, to love others. So, the two things is, one, there is a... Um, Commandment we started. Honour your older older men and the women as fathers and mothers, reflective of the Ten Commandments, honour your father and mother. Um, the commandment was promised that you might live long in the land that I've given to you. Two, don't be, you know, uh, idle, um, but responsible for your own family. Work hard. Paul says we work night and day in order to bring the gospel. He had a right, by the way, to draw some income from the church. He says that here in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 16, which is next week, you know, about elders who, who work and labor in the word, the worth double honor. Here he's saying in Timothy 1 5 about the widows who are really widows. Honor them. He means support them. Financially, with money, support them. You know, don't leave them in need. This word honour is now about clap them and say, oh, you know, we appreciate you widows. But honour them, support them. So, but be, be not be that, let us not be those people who, who become idle and busybodies. Um, who it says have nothing to do with. They're out of step with the kingdom of God and the commands of God. You're out of step. You've not got it, if that's what you think is being spiritual. So, I was going to go on, and I want to finish, before I finish, I want to take you to um, a scripture which underpins God's heart for me in all of this. And it's in Deuteronomy 10. Deuteronomy 10. I do like to find it in my own Bible, rather than reading it off screen, I like to read the Bible. Um, I will start at verse 12, 10 and verse 12. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. Notice he is saying, love the Lord your God in all his ways. It's in all. You know, that's why I'm bringing you to different scriptures. It's not just a portion of scripture that we direct our lives upon this morning, but it's all his word. The word of God weighs, so it weighs heavy. You know, I've been blessed these last two days because I've been very busy. Um, basically setting up an enterprise just to get me to 66, which is five years' time. Um, and I've not had a lot of time. 
for the spiritual stuff, so to speak, exactly, grabbing the guitar from time to time and praying and stuff. Um, but sitting in God's Word has really blessed me the last two days, just to soak in His Word. And this Word really blessed me, this, this verse uh, of Scripture I'm sharing with you now. How powerful that God covers us and looks after us. And this is our Lord's heart. Um, so, sorry, let's go back to verse um, 13. And to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command you today, for your good. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God. Also the earth, with all that is in it, COVID and all, God owns everything. You know, he is not put aside by what's going on in the world today. He owns the whole thing. You know, he's in charge. Verse 15, the Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them. He's talking about the Israelites bringing them out of Egypt, by the way. Um that he brought over the Dead Sea, and he chose their descendants after them, you above all peoples as it is this day. Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart, and be not stiff-necked no longer. Sorry, and be stiff-necked no longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods. Sorry, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. The great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe. He administers. <laughs> He's the one in charge. He's the manager. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast. How, how marvellous it ministered to me in this, that he is the God of God. Sorry, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God and mighty and awesome who shows no partiality and takes no bribe. You know, it gives you confidence that the kingdom of God is administered by God and he's not one who takes a bribe. There's no corruption in our God. And that blesses me because you can get tired. You know, how do we administer um, to the needy, say? Who administers it? What's the means test? We've got to be careful of, you know, corruption. People are not really in need, but they, they appear to be in need. But in God's, if we're in God's hands, if we hear God, if we're individual Christians, and we hear that first verse, and I'm finishing now because I'm going on too long, <laughs> that I started with Proverbs 19:17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back every penny. Or he doesn't say that, he will pay back what he has given. God is no man's debtor. It's not on the church ministry administering things. Paul set apart here a number of means tests that made it very difficult for somebody to be put on the list as a widow, as in need, as to be supported by the church. 
He says he did this in order that we might support those who are really in need because the church doesn't have the money and today we don't have the money to support our pastor. So my word to you this morning is, hear God, have pity on the poor. You're lending to God, but watch out for others. Watch out for your brothers and sisters in these times. Hear God if it's a need to go and give and you hear God to say, go and drop off a bag of shopping or whatever it might be. Let's look out for each other. Look after your family, yes, where you can. But let's trust in God. He is almighty. He is the God of gods, Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, nor takes any bribe. There's no misappropriation of funds with our God. But God is in charge. He's in control. He's the great administrator. He doesn't take a bribe. He genuinely cares for the widow, for the orphan, for the stranger amongst us. Amen.